Hello everyone and welcome back to Creative Psychopaths. This is Mark again at the top of the podcast as always doing the, this is the sort of beggy, pleady bit really where I just sort of say, you know, like and share the podcast wherever you can and give it a five star review because that really, really helps share the podcast around and follow me on all the social medias. You can find me, Creative Psychopaths everywhere and there's a slight change to the Facebook group. There's two Facebook groups now, but the correct one to join is Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's the way to go on that one. Uh, this week, we're talking to Courtney about the film Us, which was actually a really good episode. A nice long one. So, you know, if you enjoy a long podcast, then away you go. Um, Yeah, so enjoy, I say. Um, hang on, who's that in the garden? He looks just like me. <laughs> Imagine having to look like me. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast where each week I talk to a guest about their history with horror movies and a movie of their choice with a couple of fun questions at the end creating a delightful horror sandwich. This week I'm joined by Courtney and uh, as always I am going to say hello to them and stop being rude soon when I go, I don't know what I'm doing, Um, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, that was beautifully well read and, until a certain point there. <laughs> yeah, well, well the, the first bit scripted. The bit after that is just me not knowing what I'm doing. So, <laughs> you know, unless I script the entire thing, there'll always be this weird bit at the beginning where um, I don't quite know what I'm doing. Um, so how are you today? I'm very good, thank you. I had uh, a very good day in work. Shift flew quite nicely. Uh, mm. So I spent... Most of my evening trying a new recipe and trying to get together my nerves to come and do this. <laughs> oh, you don't have to be nervous doing this. We're talking about horror movies. Um, and if you love them, then it's all good. I just spent the past five minutes before I got on here, I was couldn't get the Zoom to go. And then suddenly I saw a mouse go by me. So I found myself on a mouse hunt. Oh, God. Do you, um, do you have pet mice or? No. No, I don't know where that, I don't know where it came from, but you know, I had like a strawberry punnet and I managed to, I managed to cage it within the punnet and then get it outside. So it was like a giant, you know, when you have a spider, it was like a giant spider trap. Um, but yeah, I got it outside and it gambled away happily. It didn't, it didn't say thank you or anything, but you know. Very um, rude. Very, very rude. Very, very rude mouse. Um, <laughs> hey, that. That was pretty good for me, that, everyone. I, that was quite good filler chat before we got to the questions. So whoa, whoa, what a delight. But, you know, let's get into them. So when did you become... Oh, no, that isn't right. Oh, no. When, <laughs> right. <laughs> what is the first horror movie you can remember seeing? Okay, so the first one that I didn't watch all the way through, just remembered seeing a scene of, 
I was um, at some older people's house and I walked in at the wrong time of Ghost Chip. I don't know if you've seen that at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was this scene and I don't even know if I'm remembering it right, but basically some sort of wire came down and decapitated a load of people. Mm. And that has always pretty much stuck with me. But the first one in full, um, my mum got me to watch Joyride at one point. Right. Um which is the one with the, the, the like psycho truck driver. And uh, I really enjoyed that. And I think that probably sparked off like a bit of a thriller, horror enjoyment at kind of a weirdly young age. <laughs> yeah. that Actually, that scene that you're talking about in Ghost Ship, that's the opening scene. That's the very opening scene of that film. Um, so you stepped in right at the beginning. Because um, actually from there on, it's not a great film at all. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it just starts off by killing half of the people <laughs> yeah, yeah well that's, I think that might be why I, I can't remember now but I think that might be why it's a ghost ship because of all the people who die <laughs> uh, do you know what yeah nice ain't it that makes total sense never seen it I've, I've always been a bit like too cautious to watch it after that I was just like nope <laughs> I'm not, not going back there revisit some horrible memories from being a child <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though isn't it how, the spe- how specific ones you think nah, I'm not going back there forget that <laughs> <laughs> I'm not big on like ghosty type ones anyway if I'm honest um some, some, yeah, but I don't know. I like more of a, a type of horror where, like, it could actually happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like a sort of more of a thriller sort of thing. Mm, definitely. But, I mean, it depends on the effects, and anything's good if it's got good enough effects. Yeah, very true. Um, well, it can be true. Sometimes no effects are best. Um, so when did you become a horror fan then? You mentioned Joyride. Do you think that was probably... I was weirdly young at that point. My mum didn't have many boundaries when it came to certificates on films. Um, It was probably like 11, 12. Um, But I would say like more so like frequently watching them at like 14. Yeah. Uh, And then I sort of started watching them more and more often with my mum because she really likes watching them. And like, you know, we spent a lot of time in the evenings together. So she got bored of having to wait for me to go to bed. So I never went to bed very early. And then, you know, it's like once your mum starts showing new horror movies or your dad starts showing new horror movies, next thing you're showing them to your friends. And then, like, 15 and 16, I was watching absolutely back-to-back horrors with the lads from school. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I must admit, I didn't have the experience of my parents showing me horror movies because um, my uh, my mum my mum was, like, really not into it. Um, funnily enough, she's really into it now, though, because the, the other week I went round and she was watching... Um, I spit on your grave. Oh, that's a that's a hardcore one to be watching yeah, as well. I mean, it was the remake one, but it was still. And I'm sat there going, I mean, I'm enjoying this, but why are you watching it? <laughs> oh, that shotgun scene goes proper through me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, but I, like I said, I didn't have that, but now apparently, uh, apparently, she loves horror films. So that's weird. That's <laughs> weird. Weird. How old is your mum? Um, sixty something, sixty-seven or eight, something like that. That is quite late in life to be cracking on to horror movies. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, she did. <laughs> she did have a stroke a few years ago and fully recovered from it, but perhaps something clicked in her brain that she was like, "I like murders now." 
that could have gone a lot worse in a way. Could have been there. I like murdering now, you know. I like murdering people now. Oh, I never know. It might it might end up going that way. She might she might not get might not get the hit anymore. Why is that doing that? Your mum's got a second life you don't even know about. <laughs> I like it. No, I don't like it. Um <laughs> so <laughs> the next question is um what is the scariest horror movie? So I think this one might be a bit controversial because I don't think many people think it was scary. Um, but I thought that Midsummer, um, that newer one, I can't remember when it was released, a couple of years ago now, um, I actually found that quite sort of creeped me out. It was just the way it sort of had an effect on you, mm. made me feel really uncomfortable in my chair. And like that to me is like my version of scary then. Um, obviously, like, you know, like other films, I, I like, you know, I've gone to see like, Annabelle in the cinema and stuff and been absolutely pooping my pants, but yeah. <laughs> it's not that level of scary. So I suppose it's probably the wrong choice, but it's just the one that had the biggest, like, physical effect on me, I suppose. Mm-hmm. We were watching it and it was such a long film. We were knackered. We had a newborn at the time. and We tried to have, like, a little bit of a, a date night and it was, like, a three-hour film. <laughs> so we were like, oh, I can't stay up any longer. Should we finish it off in the morning? I remember us going into the living room and being like, is our daughter old enough that, you know, we can't watch this in the room? I'm like, Shh, just try it. <laughs> She'll either have bad dreams or she won't and be fine. <laughs> we finished off watching this movie uh, in the morning. and I was kind of glad it was daylight by that point because the ending was so creepy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And do you know what? I, to be quite honest with you, I don't think you'd be anywhere close to being on your own on that one because, uh, or even it being a controversial opinion because... It, it is a scary movie. It's just not what people would say is traditionally scary. But I, I watched Midsommar quite recently because I've been trying my best to sort of watch as much as I can and, you know, get these new experiences instead of just living in the 80s. And I've really been enjoying, enjoying modern horror. But Midsommar's, there's something about Midsommar that I think you, you, you said it anyway, but it, it leaves you with a sort of feeling um that's quite it, it's really like jar jarring do you know what i mean and the other part the yeah. other part of it is is i think it's because it's so much daytime in it and it's bright it it, it it's hard to get the pass of time so it doesn't you know it just feels really uneasy to watch i'm not i'm probably not quite eloquent enough to explain how it makes me feel but i like to say i don't think it would be a controversial opinion because I think it is a scary movie and on top of that it's what scares you isn't it yeah I think like the the way that obviously like the people in it and all act so normal is what well like when you watch horrors more normally you've got like people acting creepy and you know people generally being like quite sort of freaked out and on the whole like yeah they you know the kids that are in it they do start to get like where they're very on edge about what's going on yeah but everybody else in it is just so normal and happy and it's like a like you said the daylight of it it's just such a different kind of horror it really does take you back and throw you onto your what's the word what's the phrase like it throws you onto your left leg or whatever um (laughs) but you know what I mean though it's just it's just uneasy and I I do I did really really enjoy it I've never watched it again since because I don't uh yeah I don't know I'm a bit worried that like the way I remember it and remembering enjoying it so much if I watched it a second time I wouldn't enjoy it so much I honestly don't know a lot of people have said that actually it is a good film to watch a second time around because because you 
you've got a good idea of the plot. So there's a lot in there that you can pick up as you go through. Um, and there's mm. just like more to it and a lot of... Um, like hidden bits along the way. Yeah, that I, I, I was thinking Easter eggs, but that's not even not even the right word. It's like... Um, yeah, we'll just say Easter eggs, but it's basically if you if you look at it, everything everything in the movie is predicted before you see it. It's, it's mm. quite interesting. I should give it a second watch in that case. I didn't didn't know. There we go. We really had good a good go on Midsummer there. Um, <laughs> so, what is uh, the best kill? Uh, right, this is a really easy one. Um, the best kill for me was Silent Hill, the first one. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, remember Laurie Holden in that one? Have you seen it? I have, I seen, I have seen it, but I think I've only seen it once. And the only thing I remember about Silent Hill really is that at the end, um, they're not in the right dimension or something. Uh, <laughs> Summarise the whole film there, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's the weirdest film. Um, but there's this scene. So Laurie Holden um, is like a, a cop in it and she sort mm. of tries to help investigate. And um, basically the townspeople strap her to this really, really tall ladder. And then they sort of lower her slowly on a crank over basically like a fire pit. And they just basically melt her whole skin off and stuff. It's really gross. Um, and it just always like really stuck with me as the best kill because it was just so brutal. They literally like the way they'd slowly lowered the ladder over the fire, like just, you know, like I can't even imagine the fear you know it's just oh it's horrible but at least she got a better death in that than she did in the walking dead but yeah that's the one that always sticks in me as best girl yeah. um, a vague recollection of it now you say it i think i'm gonna have to revisit that film because i think you said when i had jade on that um it's probably one of the better video game adaptations and it always gets overlooked um so i might yeah i think i'll have to revisit that I think it's like it's a as long as you take it for what it is, it's a good film. Do you yeah, know what I, mean? yeah. I think a lot of people tend to overthink Silent Hill and you know get a bit like deeply into the whole backstory of it and all. And mm. I just like it for what it is. <laughs> and I enjoyed the second one. To be fair, um, that one was pretty good. I can't remember it hugely well, but I remember that like the beasties and stuff in it were very well executed. <laughs> right. So what are the what's the standout effect? Uh, I'll be honest, I really struggled with this one. Really? And in the end, I went for something that's probably not even a horror. <laughs> I went for uh, Terminator 2. <laughs> Definitely not really in the horror genre. Um, but it was just, it's one of those effects that's always really stood out to me. So I was like, I, I, I'm going to just go with this okay. one. So there's like a liquid metal kind of guy. And to me, at the time when I watched this, it was a scary film. So I suppose that's why I sort of associate it. But basically, he gets his head shot, and because he's like a liquid metal guy, his whole head just splits in two, and then seconds later, it all just morphs back together. And I remember that really freaking me out when I was little, but also I remember thinking, oh, that was a really good effect. And obviously, I was watching that. I mean, I was born in 1996. That film came out in 1991. So I'd have been a good, you know, God knows how old, like, when I watched it eventually. So I just remember thinking, I look back at it now and I think, oh, can you like imagine how good that effect was in 1991 if I was spun out by it in probably like 2006? Yeah, the effects in, in Terminator 2 definitely hold up. And I will I will allow it for, uh, as a horror film in this particular instance because Terminator is definitely a horror film. 
the original Terminator. And for all intents and purposes, the T-1000, which is the liquid metal Terminator, does a lot of good killing in that. There's a lot of yeah, there's a there's, lot of blades through people's faces, as I recall. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty, yeah. It's pretty like high action, high impact. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the Terminator movies. I haven't watched them in years, but I, I mean, you know, naked people have always stuck in my head from Terminator when they spawned and they got their clothes. And I think mm. that's always probably what stood out to me as a child because that's probably like the first lot of nudity I ever saw. <laughs> um, Somebody's bum. <laughs> <laughs> bums and high action we went to this one <laughs> imagine that the poster to terminate a bums and high action <laughs> i'd go out and oh, see me it too actually <laughs> uh, right so what is a movie that needs a sequel a movies that need to stop making sequels right movies that need a sequel is actually the one that we're going to chat about later mm-hmm. which is us I would love a sequel to us. I understand why they probably won't make one. In fact, I'm pretty sure they won't make one. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see one, to see like the aftermath of everything that happened. I don't know, mate. I, I wouldn't personally probably focus on the same family. I'd, I'd go off in a different direction with it. But I'd love to see the aftermath. Why don't you save an idea until the end of the movie and then we'll we'll come back around to it. And, and that way... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't want to spoil <laughs> <laughs> everybody um, knows that i'm gonna go full spoilers in this so you know in, in all likelihood you've got to watch this watch this movie to listen to this podcast and if you haven't then you will get a pretty detailed rundown anyway so <laughs> yeah so uh yeah well we'll save um a sort of sequel idea or or what you want to say about it till the end because actually i think i might have something to say on that too um so do you have any movies that need to stop making sequels um, I mean, I'm a little bit torn on it. I there's some movies that I think there are a lot going. Like I know a lot of people would say Saw, but I quite enjoy Saw. Um, I would maybe I would probably like to see an end to the Conjuring films because they are brilliant. I I love each of them. I love the Annabelle spin-offs. I think they're brilliant, but I it's a franchise that I don't want to see ruined by repetition. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you should be all right with that because there's a lot of real life stories to go on that they can keep churning out ones that have got unique value to them. But I do know what you're saying, you know, like kill it before it kills itself. I think like I'd go back to, you know, the sort of more original take on it. But like when a second, is it two or three Annabelle films there are now? Three, three. Yeah, there was Annabelle, Annabelle Creation and Annabelle comes home I think and I did I enjoyed all three of them but I feel like a fourth one about the doll would be just a bit much yeah I agree actually I think I that I thought the third Annabelle movie was terrible in fact I didn't I didn't like the first one either I really enjoyed the second one but I didn't like the first one or the third one and I kept going to the cinema to watch them and if I'm completely honest with you I don't know if I could tell you the plots of any of them because they've all sort of merged into one in my head. But every time I'd go and see them with my friends, we'd car, we'd park up in the car park quite far around the corner and we'd kind of like do a light jog back to the car every time. Absolutely pooping our pants. It's really dark when we go out the cinema. We're like, just get back to the car, just get back to the car. 
No, I wouldn't see an Annabeth, although I, couldn't, I, don't, I don't think I could justify the cinema ticket for that one. No, no. <laughs> uh, I, the one good thing about the Annabelle movies that I will give him credit for is that every time I think that doll's going to move and it never does. Every time. Every time I'm sat there going, it's going to move this time. Its eyes are going to flicker or something like that, but it never, ever moves. So um, that's good effort. Good effort on their part. They did ruin. Do you remember, have you seen The Boy and The Boy 2? Yes, I've seen The Boy, but I don't think I've seen The Boy 2. No, I haven't. I really enjoyed The Boy. I thought that was a really good sort of film. I've seen quite a few films like it, which sort of made it less interesting. I can always kind of predict the who's behind the walls thing in, in a film. But <laughs> we watched one the other day, me and Jade, and she was like, oh, it's ghosts, it's ghosts. I was like, it's not, someone's living in the walls. And I think I think it was her sister recommended it to us or something like that. What was what was that film? Uh, oh, I saw the one you've just done. Oh, it's the one you've just done. I see you. I see you. Mm. That was it. And yeah, I can always kind of see the he's coming, he's in the walls jobby since the boy. Um, but the boy two was really naff. Obviously, the whole of the boy one focuses on the fact that actually the boy, you know, the toy doesn't move and it's actually this bloke. And then the to- the, the boy two totally wrecked that whole storyline and they made the, the toy real and moving. I just really wrecked it for me. So um, you're right with the animal thing of not making it move and stuff like that would really ruin it and fair play to them for not doing that. You've just made me want to watch the boy two. Honestly, it's trash. <laughs> it's absolutely trash. trash. The first half is pretty good. <laughs> what is your favourite franchise? Right. This this is this is probably everybody's answer to the last one. I just touched on it. I, I like the Saw movies. I watched them all. I enjoyed each movie. I'm sure people would say that there are too many and they should stop making them, but I enjoy each one. Every time there's a new one, I go and see it. I enjoy it. Granted, it's pretty gruesome. I could do with like a little bit less of the grossness, but I don't know. I enjoy the stories that they spin. I like the whole like new takes that they've been doing with the last couple of movies. Mm. And yeah, they've said it's the last one several times, but I, I, it doesn't stop me wanting to watch a new one. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, um, any, anyone who listens to this knows my opinion on the Saw film, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep whiffling on about it. Um, but you're not the only person to choose that franchise. I think it is a well a well loved franchise. Um, it's just not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. I think like if I'd watched I, the thing is with franchises, I haven't watched like every movie in them. Do you know what I mean? I can I can really like one or two of the films, or maybe like a remake or something. But I have I can't say I've like watched any of the franchises as thoroughly as I've seen, except for maybe The Conjuring actually. But as thoroughly as I've seen Saw, um, which I suppose makes it kind of thing. And I've got nice memories of like like I said, being with the boys from school and yeah, watching yeah. them back to back and stuff. But yeah, I can see why other people aren't keen. <laughs> I can say, I, actually, a lot of people are keen, and a lot of people have chosen that as their favourite franchise. It just doesn't, it's just not for me. And I'm not, let's move on, because I'm, I'm, I've realised listening back to some of these that I repeat myself over and over again. Right, what is the worst horror you've seen? Is it The Boy 2? <laughs> no that probably would make the top five worse though it's one that like is really like adored by horror fans i, I my worst horror is hereditary um 
I really thought it was rubbish. Again, I went to cinema. I only really go, I only really watch horrors in the cinema because I just think like I need the full effect to take in a horror. Yeah. I just, I didn't really enjoy it, which is weird because obviously it's the same same maker as the one that I find the most scary. So it's tomorrow, yeah. That, you know, but no, I just, no, I remember sitting in the cinema. I went with my mum and sister, took them out for like a bit of a treat evening. And we all sat there very quietly, which is unusual for us. And then kind of got to the end of the film. We all just looked at each other like, well, <laughs> not in like a what way, like, a, oh, you know, that was an interesting thing. You know, this was really quirky, but brilliant. Just I just didn't enjoy it. I did think that the whole like, you know, kid gets head chopped off and then he goes into the house and he's you know, just goes into bed and doesn't think. And all. I thought there were parts of it that were really memorable and like quite sort of deep. And you know, obviously nobody knows how they'd react in that sort of situation. So there were there were things about it I did yeah, like, yeah. but just overall, I just I just remember thinking it was long and just not worth being so long. Yeah, this my worst aside from like low budget crap do you know what I mean that you know you watch and you're like why did I ever buy this in Poundland yeah. <laughs> <laughs> aside from that sort of stuff <laughs> yeah no and I, listen I've said a million times on this podcast that we're not we're not gatekeepers here and whatever you like is what you like and what you know if you don't like it you don't like it and I know a lot of people who don't like hereditary personally it, you know I did I did love it and I do love it but um I it's honestly can see why people wouldn't like it. And I could say the same thing for Midsommar as well. Like if someone said they didn't like that, I could totally see why they wouldn't like it, especially since it's very slow. Both films are quite slow. Yeah, they are slow burners, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. And that sort of film can always, it doesn't matter what it's under you in. I feel like a slow burner can go either way, can it? You yeah. can either lose your audience or really captivate. And... Yeah. And I think a lot of, a yeah. lot of like horror movies can be quite, I think polarizing is a, is the right word because especially the one that you brought with us um you know some of the comments that we had on facebook it was you know i think somewhere a lot in between i liked it and then i didn't like it if you know what i mean so mm. you know it is what it is anyway so what is your favorite horror movie is it us <laughs> um hmm. that's a hard one um no, it is a hard one. And if you want to have a couple of choices, go mad. I, do you know what? Before I, I, I rewatched us today, and when I first, I've watched it a couple of times before, and I really, really enjoyed it. But I will say today watching it, I didn't have the same like enthusiasm for it. I actually was sat thinking, I, can't, I, I said today, I was like, I kind of wish I hadn't picked this film because. I've watched it a couple of times and, you know, it, I really enjoyed it those couple of times, but now I'm watching it and I'm just not really as bothered on it. And so I don't think it would be anymore, if I'm completely honest. That's You've thrown me off. This was, this was not in the prep questions. It, it, <laughs> it me is, off. it's there. It's definitely there. Oh, I shouldn't know. I missed it. It's under what's the worst horror you've seen. Oh, oh, oh. Um, uh, don't worry, it's a hard question that, uh, you know, Unfortunately, I think you've fallen victim to the sort of podcaster thing where, you know, you watch when you watch something with a critical eye, you know, instead of just watching it to enjoy it, you're like, you start picking it apart and your brain goes, oh man, I liked that. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing. I used to love reading and then I studied English um, at a higher level and I only read a book at all. 
Um, yeah, so you're probably right. Probably is what I did. Um, I don't know. I, I would definitely say I've got quite a few that rank quite high. Just give us a couple and we'll move on to the movie. Or if you don't want to, if you don't want to pick one, we'll just move on. <laughs> Can I come back to it? If you like. I'll have a think on right, it. Okay. Right, so um, <laughs> that is the first slice of bread in the horror sandwich. We've taken the bread, we've put butter on it, or, you know, margarine if you're from the 80s, or Vitalite if you're very free. Look, it's sandwich. What are you having in your sandwich? What filling would you like in your sandwich? Is this a real sandwich? Is this a metaphorical sandwich? <laughs> Let's say that it's a real sandwich for now. Oh, I would like a Chinese chicken sandwich, if I'm honest. <laughs> right, so... Proper, like, mayonnaise So this is the Chinese chicken filling, which is the film, Us, from 2019. So this movie is directed and written by Jordan Peele, and it is the second movie after Get Out, which, of course, won an Oscar for script writing. Um, so obviously going into this second movie, there was always going to be a little bit of um, judgment about what it was going to be like, but, you know, whatever. I don't know why I said, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but there was, wasn't there? You know, you know, if you're going to win, you win an Oscar on your first film, going into the second one, there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of critics looking at, looking at the movie. I'd say in terms of, before we even get into it, script writing in this is really good anyway. And I think that's something that Jordan Peele's really good at. Um, I, I think, to be fair, like, they're both good. Um, I, I don't know if I could choose between them. They're both just genuinely unique, aren't they? You know, they, I, I've never seen anything like Get Out or Like Us. I think they're just both powerful. I think you're right. I think he is um, certainly one of the the better horror talents that's coming through. And uh, I'm pleased with that. I think the only thing I think about Jordan Peele is sometimes his message is quite blatant, <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm also not. I'm also not that intelligent that um, that I like looking for hidden messages. So that suits me fine. Right. So um, this film stars Lupita Nyong'o as Adelaide Wilson and the character Red, uh, Winston Duke as Gabe Wilson and Abraham, Shahandi Wright Joseph as Zora Wilson and Umbre, Evan Alex as Jason Wilson and Pluto, Tim Heidecker as Josh Tyler slash Tex, and Elizabeth Moss as Kitty Tyler and Dahlia. Uh, Elizabeth Moss is the one this time who will not get called the character name, but only be referred to as her actor name, because I don't know why I do that, but I do that. Um, so I, I just want to mention before we get into the film, I really like the monkey paw, um, you know, like production company. I really like that. The way that looks, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like a, that monkey paw stirring tea on a train. Yeah, I really like. Yes, it is just yeah. It's just such a good sort of relation back, and you just I feel like when I initially saw that, I, you know, you just know you're in for something good. Hmm. Even like yeah. just the whole load up of the film was just good. I don't, I don't very often like overthink like the way you know things start off but oh yeah no yeah the monkey paw on the train the I really like that he is iconic isn't it I saw that actually first before seeing this I saw that on the Candyman the new Candyman one and I liked it then too anyway um 
Let's see. So we start with opening text. There are thousands of miles of tunnels beneath the United States. Subway, surface routes, mine shacks, and have been deserted for years. Uh, then we see uh, somebody watching television and they're watching the hands across America, which was, if you don't know, it was a thing in, I think, the 80s. Yeah, it was. I think it was 1986, actually, um, where they were going to do this thing, hands across America, to raise awareness for the homeless. But it didn't really go very well and they didn't get that many people to do it. Um, but, you know, that's something to keep an eye out for, everyone, hands across America. Keep your eye out. It might not come up again, eh? Um, so we start at 1986 in Santa Cruz uh, at a fair, and a, a dad is is winning stuff, and um, he's got a daughter named Maddie, and she picks a Michael Jackson Thriller T-shirt. Nice. The parents are arguing with each other. They obviously are having a bit of bit of animosity with each other. Uh, the dad stops to play whack-a-mole and the mum goes off to the toilet. Uh, Addie then wanders off. She finds a fun house called Vision Quest on the beach uh, and the power goes out. Oh, while she's in there, the power goes out and she she starts, she starts whistling uh, and inside she's faced with someone who looks exactly like her. Uh, we see her go wide-eyed and then we cut to the opening credits, which is lots of rabbits in, in cages, and it zooms out very slowly. I really enjoy the... Very, very slowly. I really enjoy the music <laughs> that goes with it. Yes, yeah, it was very, um, yeah. The the hot, but to be fair, the music throughout the film is picked really well to sort of give you that high suspense feeling. Yeah. But that music during the rabbits is, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> I think nice is probably the wrong word, but nice. <laughs> uh, so then we're in the present day. We see the Wilson family driving to their summer home. We made it, and because every, everyone's asleep, and the dad's Gabe's a bit of a. Oh, a bit of a joke, really. They sit down and have a little family dinner. And while at the family dinner, Zara's going, oh, look, I don't want to do track and field or running or whatever anymore. Because she's obviously a good runner. Anyway, off they go to Santa... Oh, no, they want to go to Santa Cruz, but nobody seems happy about it. The dad wants to go to Santa Cruz, but no one seems happy about it. We go back in time a, a bit, and we see Addy was suffering from PTSD after the... Um, the encounter with the twin girl and of course she but she's not talking uh, and but then we're back to the present day again and then the, the dad's like come on we're off to the beach and then uh, she's like oh well we're not off to santa cruz but he gives her a bit of a guilt trick guilt trick and then um she says oh look we'll leave before dark and uh oh, then they do some kissing very nice Addie finds a mirror while she's looking around, a dance mirror, sorry, and she starts looking through some old stuff. Uh, Jason is hiding in a cupboard. It's this cupboard that jams open with a car. Well, he jams it open with a car, but if the if he gets trapped in there, you can't get out. That'll come back later. Uh, the dad's found a boat, a knackered old boat sort of thing, but it's a bit of fun, that bit, don't you think? I quite enjoy 
actually really like Gabe in this. Yeah, he's got that kind of just like goofy dad type thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the way the kids react to him, it's funny because it's just all very like natural, isn't it? It's, I know they're acting, but it just, you know, it gives you that really genuine sense of, you know, they're used to his dad jokes and they're used to him messing around. It's quite sweet. Yeah, used to him making stupid decisions, like buying a stupid boat. But uh, yeah, like you say, it's very, um, it's very well acted, just really well acted. Uh, let's see. So they then drive to the beach and um, during this, uh, Jason says, kiss my anus, which I I find to be a delightful um, insult. I may use it. <laughs> While they're driving along, they put on the radio and Five On It comes on, which is a great tune. The first time I watched this film, I put that, I put that song straight on afterwards because I was like, that's cracking. It's, they get as they're driving into Santa Cruz to see a dead guy with a sign. We actually did see the guy with the sign earlier on. Uh, in fact, in 1986. Um, but this is a dead guy with a sign. Uh, at the beach, uh, Addie sees a fun house, but she doesn't say anything about it. And we meet Josh and Elizabeth Moss. Addie and Elizabeth Moss dead. Well, Addie doesn't seem to like Moss. <laughs> He seems to be a bit of, well, not animosity. One of them seems to like the other. What do you think? Yeah, she's quite sort of, I know she's a bit distracted, but she's quite cold to her. And like, I don't know, Elizabeth Moss, you know, she's quite sort of just friendly, isn't she? She's harmless, you know? Like sometimes you get that sort of character in the film and you can see that they've got a bit of a sly side, but she didn't strike me like that at all. She just struck me as being kind of, you know, seeking friends. Yeah, it is a bit of an odd... uh... (laughs) Odd reaction to her, but like you say, I guess she's a bit distracted. Sure, you want anything to drink? No, I'm good. Sure, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, yeah. Did you guys have a good summer so far? Yeah, it's been great. Let's see. They have twins who are assholes, basically. <laughs> twins are proper dickheads. <laughs> um, then Jason goes off to the toilet. And uh, while he's there, a Frisbee lands on an exact spot, which is a bit of a coincidence. One of them says, oh, quinky dink. And hey, Jason's wearing a Jaws T-shirt, which I'm very happy about. Uh, Jason sees a weird dude on the beach with blood dripping off his hand. And then suddenly we're going, where's Jason? And he's at the bathroom, apparently. Uh, And then, look, come on, we're going home. So they go home. Back home, it's obviously bedtime. Um, Jason's got this werewolf mask that I'm not sure what the context of the werewolf mask is. I think the suggestion is that he's got, I don't know what it is that he, that he keeps it there as like a protection, doesn't he sort of thing. I don't, I don't know if it's supposed to be like an autism thing or it's hard to say. It was one of the parts that I didn't really understand if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, Cause everything it's one, of, it's one of those films where everything sort of has a meaning, but that was one of the ones that I just didn't quite. But then I've, I've got an autistic nephew and, you know, they do have sort of like coping things. Um, but to me, yeah, I didn't actually really, I don't clock him as being sort of autistic or anything. Like, yeah, he just sort of strikes me as being quite a quiet kid. Yeah. But then, you know, different people. There's different. something specific about the mask that, like you say, you don't particularly pick up on, but I've, I feel it is some sort of protection thing that he, that he has. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously thinking ahead, but not saying too much at the end when he sort of pulls it down. You're right, it is like a protection yeah, thing, isn't yeah. it? Uh, let's see. So the alarm clock says 11.11. 11. 
remember when the guy signed at 11-11. Significant. I'm not sure what the significance is, but anyway. Um, So there's a picture of it. He's drawn a picture of the bloody beach man that he saw. Uh, We go to the main bedroom. We've got a very small bed. Once Gabe gets on it, I can't see how there's any room for um, Addy at all. (laughs) He's like a huge bloke there. Oh, he's, he's... He's like, he's not beefy, beefy, but he's like, you know, got big shoulders and all on him. He's quite tall. <laughs> I think he'd take up all of my bed, if I'm honest. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so uh, Addy says she doesn't want to be here. She says she doesn't feel like herself while she's there. And she tells him all about the girl doppelganger. When I was a kid, I went to that boardwalk with my parents. I wandered off. I don't know why, I just did. I ended up in that hall of mirrors. There was another girl in there. She looked like me. Exactly like me. And of course he's a bit sort of, well, yeah, we're in a hall of mirrors, but she's going, no, she was real, and I ran as fast as I could. Um... And she suggests that she feels like a whole life she's been coming for me. Uh, and she starts, she talks about there being lots of coincidences. But again, I don't really know what the relevance of the coincidences are. There are coincidences in this, but I'm not quite sure what the relevance is. Did, did you get that? No, if I'm completely honest. Like, yes, like the sign and the time. Um, and obviously it was met. It, it was meant, I suppose it was probably meant to symbolise like the starting of things going on. And even then it was like a little bit of a delay until things actually started happening. So it was just, yeah, I wasn't really getting it, if I'm honest. There's obviously a lot more to it than what I was picking up. Yeah, I still like, I understand that there were coincidences, but I couldn't see what the relevance of the coincidences were to what was happening. That was what, that was what was confusing me. It was like, it's fine. I don't, I don't mind the being the coincidences, but what's the relevance to what's about to happen? And it really, it really bugged me actually. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Gabe's not dealing with it well anyway. Um, he's, he's like, oh, well, you know, you probably you're probably all right, but um, you know, he could be a lot nicer about it. And anyway, Jason comes in and he goes, "There's a family in the driveway." And Gabe says, "No, there isn't." And then he looks out and he goes, "Oh yeah, there is. And it's probably the neighbours." But uh, Addie's straight onto nine 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 one one nine one one. Gabe goes out to investigate. He says, "Can I help you?" They don't respond. And then he says, "Go on, piss off." And then he comes inside and says, "Yeah, call the back cops." And he gets a baseball bat. Then he goes back out and he goes, right, piss off. Although he didn't actually say piss off. I've made that English for you. <laughs> um, Gabe's twin comes fast at him and they're all trying to, they're all trying to get in. And we see uh, Pluto, who is Jason's twin. He's got this mask on and he's, he's very animalistic. And then we see this wonderful shot of um, somebody walking towards the house and they're whistling and they have scissors in their hands. And like I say, it's a really good shot, the way that it's shot. Let's see, Gabe's twin, Abraham, makes it in the house. And uh, he he hurts Gabe's leg. Uh, let's see, and the rest of the doppelgangers make it in. Red, Red walks in, who is Addie's twin, and she gets everybody to sit down. And Jason says, it's us, which is true, it is them. Red 
talks and she's got a really, really gravelly voice. Uh, not gravelly voice, it's like a strained voice. And I did read that actually um, the actress in this, she worked with um, like throat doctors and stuff like that to make sure that because obviously she's been an actor doing that, that she wouldn't permanently injure her voice and sort of how to do it like that without permanently injuring her voice. So that's good, I thought. Right. Uh, good effort. That is good effort. I um, my sister used to get really creeped out by the voice. I used to do, used to do a, like a fairly decent impression of it. And for a good few months after we watched the film, every now and again, I'd just turn to her and do the voice, and she'd proper like <laughs> be like crawling in her skin over it each time. Crack me right up. <laughs> <laughs> good effort. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, what have we got? Anyway, so she tells this story about uh, the girl had a shadow talking, I guess she's talking about herself, isn't she? She tells about the, the, oh no, she's talking about Addie and the girl had a shadow and the shadow being Red. So basically everything that happened in Addie's life happens to Red, but um, in a much worse way. Once upon There was a girl, and the girl had a shadow. The two were connected together, together. When the girl ate, her food was given to her warm and tasty. But when the shadow was hungry, she had to eat rabbit raw and bloody. On Christmas, the girl received wonderful toys, soft and cushy. With the shadow's toys were so sharp and cold, they'd slice through her fingers when she tried to play with them. And she refers to them as the tethered. So um, at this point, obviously, we go over all the family's uh, doppelgammers. Doppelgammers? <laughs> Gangers. It has to be said that Zora's umbre is the scariest of all of them, uh, or at least I thought so. She's got this just smirk on her face. Yeah, the expression is just pure. It's like, it's like, it's like looking at pure evil. <laughs> it's just that, yeah. oh, yeah. It, she is creepy. Yeah, she is the worst, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, she is. And I don't know how it's acted like this, but it is. The, so there's a huge amount of intelligence behind it as well, or it seems like there is. And I know the way the these people are portrayed as not having intelligence, but it seems that way. It's very odd. Anyway, she talks about, Red talks about being tested by God and um, Gabe's like, just take all that stuff, but they don't want this stuff. So they ask, who are you? And she says, Red says, we're Americans. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and then she asks Addie to tether herself um, using handcuffs that they brought. Uh, Gabe's like, don't do it. Red says, I'll cut you, basically, if you don't do it. So basically, each each family member gets uh, goes off it goes off with their own doppelganger, basically. Um, Abraham drags Gabe out of the door. Red tells 
Zora to run and Umbre chases after her, which again is pretty scary. She gives her a bit of a head start, but I think she's just a hair faster. And then Pluto takes Jason away to play. The two of them just go away to play. They're probably the most sort of wholesome of the bunch, which is weird to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that scene see, where so Ab- um, Abraham's glasses get taken off him. Um, by the doppelganger and it's like the doppelganger hasn't been able to see all his life because you know he's he's not had that luxury of being able to get glasses Um, I thought that was brilliantly done Um, yeah I just it just didn't really occur to me obviously you know they yes they've got like a worse life and they've even got like you know like basically like budget versions of their clothes and everything haven't they but the glasses thing I just thought that was really really just so much attention to detail Yes, I thought it was really good as well. And I didn't actually even pick up on it until the second watch. And, you know, obviously I saw it, but it wasn't like, I wasn't going, oh, yeah, he's probably never had glasses on before. I just thought it was like, well, initially, you see, I just thought they were trying to steal their identities. I thought that's what it was. Uh, Abraham knocks out Gabe and we see Pluto and Jason. They're in that car cupboard and they're copying each other and, Jason lifts up his mask and so does Pluto, who's got a very burned face. Zora and Umbre, we see, um, and they're sort of looking at each other through one side of the car to the other. Umbre disappears, then she's on top of the car, and then neighbour comes out and he's like, what the fuck's going on here? Get off my car. And he tries to confront Umbre, but she just kills him with these scissors that they've all got for some reason. Let's see. Red and Addy are talking, and Addy's obviously like, "What do we? What do you want?" And they talk about the untethering, which we don't yet know what that is. Abraham and Gabe are in the boat for some reason. Um, well, Abraham, uh, sorry, Gabe manages to wake up and he clunks uh, Abraham on the head, and he gets sort of caught up in the rope. And then the engine starts on the boat and drags away Abraham. We see uh, Pluto puts his masks back, back on and Jason manages to spark a magic trick that he's had for a while and he couldn't get working, but it manages to spark and scares Pluto. And then he manages to lock Pluto in the cupboard, in which case uh, this summons Red away and she looks around the house and she finds the box of stuff that Addie was looking at earlier and she chops the head of a toy with the scissors that for some reason she's got. I've got a theory on that. I'm not 100%. But the Hands Across America logo is made from, like, chopping up paper strings, isn't it? Like, strings of paper. Um, mm-hmm. We, like, fold it and do the little men. So, presumably, the scissors are... I don't know. But then I don't know, because obviously Addy's case is, you know, quite unique with that T-shirt. So, I suppose, I don't know why that would have expanded to the others but I don't know that was my theory but now I'm thinking about it actually there's, there's a big hole in that one <laughs> so we're back to the scissors that they've somehow got <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah anyway so yeah like I say Red looks around the house and she um, releases Pluto we go back to the boat and the boat stops um, but we don't know where Abraham is it manages to come out they have a bit of a fight and um Gabe headbutts the engine and it starts a little bit and kills Abraham. So these are people. We know they're people. Addie escapes. Uh, she looks for Jason and finds him. They flee the house. Um, Zora comes back. They hear the boat horn and they chase down, but they escape on the boat. Yay, they got away. 
And now we're at the Tyler's house. Uh, Elizabeth Moss is there. She's saying something to her husband. She's going, look, I saw it outside. Go check on it. But he really doesn't want to. Uh, I actually quite like his, um, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, he was just like, he, he said what most people want to say, but usually end up caving and just doing it, didn't he? Yeah, I don't want to. I'm happy in my comfy chair. Um, they've got their own weird assistant called Ophelia, which is weird. The fuck is an Ophelia? I guess they couldn't get the rights to an Alexa or whatever. <laughs> and anyway, he looks outside and he goes, oh my God, it's OJ. OJ Simpson, which is a weird reference. Let's see. Oh, their doppelgangers show up. So there's doppelgangers for more than just the other people. There's doppelgangers for everyone, it seems. Yeah, the doppelgangers basically show up and they kill everybody in the house. Now, what I really did like here is they do this shot from outside the house where you see everybody get killed sort of instant, like at the same time. But you see all four kills in one in one sweep. It's a good shot. It was well done. It was really well done. Yeah, really good shot. The twins who were arseholes are still arseholes, but now evil. Um, Elizabeth Moth is not quite dead, and she tries to ask Ophelia to call the police, but it just plays fuck the police instead. Which is hilarious. <laughs> Which is hilarious. The Wilsons show up, who having just got away from their own doppelgangers, and of course when they get there, they're like, oh, what the fuck's going on here? But straight away, Addy bonks the guy in the head with um it's like a like a fire poker isn't it mm, yeah um and so basically here we go again <laughs> so gabe fights tex uh tex being the uh doppelganger of the guy whose name i forgot it doesn't matter i suppose um dead now because he's called tex. <laughs> he's called tex now uh zara and jason in the house uh, everybody's dead. See the cartwheel twins, but Zara pretty much fucking dispatches her both of them. She KOs one of them off the banister, off the banister, and then the next one hits in the throat with a little golf club and then beats the shit out of him. Her, uh, sorry. Um, yeah. So she really she does the job, doesn't she? She's kicks ass. Yeah, she's quite young as well, isn't she? I mean, I imagine like those acts would take quite a lot of strength and brute force <laughs> it's like a flip of a switch almost it's uh yeah uh, uh, uh elizabeth moss elizabeth moss is doppelganger and she's looking in the mirror and she's putting on some lovely lipstick and she's doing some crazy smiles and we see that she's got addy tied up again uh, stop getting tied up <laughs> gabe and text Text have a fight in the boat, but he shoots at him with a flare gun and beats the shit out of him. So Gabe's won that one as well. Fake Moss sees this and cries and then laughs. And then um, Zora tries to sneak up on her, but it's um, it doesn't work. And of course, fake Moss is trying to kill her with the scissors that they all somehow have. But then Jason comes in, bonk, for the kill with a big old rock. So he's got a kill under his under his belt now. And the dad comes back and he's like, I'm so done with boats. At this point, they check the TV and find out that this is happening all across America. And we see like news footage, or at least mobile phone footage, showing that people in red all standing together holding hands. And then the person doing the mobile phone footage gets murdered. Uh, so they decide to, oh, should I say actually, Addy decides, come on, let's keep moving. 
we'll uh, you know we'll go down the coast and go to Mexico, and we get a hilarious bit where <laughs> Gabe suggests that they booby trap the house that they're in, Home Alone style. Uh, which I really enjoyed. When the kid asks, what's home alone? I was like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Well, it starts with Addy going, and you're, you know, we're not going to be putting a, bu- a bunch of micro machines all over the floor. And the one guy, what, the kid goes, what's, what are micro machines? And then, of course, says, what's home alone? So, yeah, I thought it was good. Good reference. It was funny. It was a funny line. Actually, this, this film's got some nice comedy in it that I enjoyed. Actually, no, there's only two bits of comedy that I really enjoyed. That was one of them, and we, we're building up to the next one. Anyway, so they're, they're, with, they're leaving, and then Addy goes back for uh, the keys to the car. But, uh-oh, one twin is still alive. She, but Addy clangs her in the face with a frying pan, and then she uh, finds a pair of the scissors that they also may have, and um, she comes in, and Jason sees it, and... Um, Jason and her have got this weird thing going on where it's he I don't I don't really know what goes on there because uh, he sees that and he's like it doesn't look like she's enjoying it but that's like the feeling you get from the scene it's a bit odd a bit too um, erratic isn't she yeah yeah so uh let's see Zora's like well I'm driving and this is the other bit I I, I, I found funny was um talking about the kill count like who's got the most kills? It gets to drive. I thought it was quite amusing. <laughs> they just take now to it so it. naturally, don't they? Like, like yeah. it's nothing at all. <laughs> they take to it too easily. Yeah. Dad's leg is messed up. You're handcuffed. It's not safe. I'm driving. Zora, no. I have the highest kill count in the family. You don't have the highest kill count. I killed both twins. Wrong. I just killed the second one. I killed Kitty. So that's one, 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 and two. I killed two. I killed myself and Josh, so. But Umbre shows up. They sort of, um, she jumps on the roof. Uh, Zora slams on the brakes. And then she starts up again and slams on the brakes again. And this time, Umbre goes flying through the, um, flying through the air. Uh, and then Addie leaves the car. She goes over to Umbre, um, who's just laughing while dying. And Addie seems to be really nice to her. She's sort of trying to calm her down. Well, she dies, basically. Again, another very odd scene. And She's totally see. mangled, isn't she? It, it did go through so, me a bit, yeah. that one. All her back, like, completely out of place and all this much. <laughs> yeah, and she's laughing. Yeah, they're just, I, Although, just psycho. Absolute psycho. Going back, going back, apparently she was born laughing. Um, yeah. Yes, creepy. Yeah, let's see. Oh, anyway, so they're driving. They're basically going to drive to Mexico. So they're going the coastline, which means they end up back in Santa Cruz. There seems to be a lot of death knocking around. And then they go, hang on a second, is that our car? Not the car they're driving, obviously. That's not a doppelganger of the car. I don't think that. <laughs> um, but the car, obviously, that they drove to their summer holiday in. Jason says, it's the one that looks like me. Uh, Addy gets out and she sort of tries to reason with him or she lowers a weapon but uh, Jason realizes that it's a trap which it is um there's like a line of petrol going towards their car Pluto it's for some reason copies Jason we might get to why that is but he does copy him and Jason realizes this and basically backs Pluto into a fire which is um 
Weirdly clever thinking for a child. Very clever thinking. But Addy's like protesting it, really. And I can I can vaguely understand what's going on there because nobody really wants to see a kid die. <laughs> <laughs> kid is a loose word, though, isn't it, for that thing? <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, it seems that Red was hiding and she steals Jason away. And anyway, Addie runs after them and she goes back to the fun house because I guess she assumes that's where they're going. We see that a lot of the people in Red are all stood with their hands held together and they're going into the sea. And then <laughs> while she's going into the, the, the thing, there's this owl that pops out that... Scared her in the first time she went in and she just fucking wipes it out. She really enjoyed it. <laughs> she discovers a door with a rabbit and it leads down to a control room and then down again. And then another down with an escalator going down um, into what looks like a never-ending corridor with rooms off to the side and there are rabbit, rabbits everywhere. Let's see. Just going quickly back up to the top, Gabe and Zora see more handholders. While uh, they're raiding an ambulance, it seems, which because Gabe Gabe has still got injured leg. Uh, let's see. Addy finds Red, and um, Red has got a lot to say. Um, so it <laughs> so it turns out that the government decided to make a copy of all the people above ground um, to control all the people in sort of a puppet way we're human too you know knives teeth hands blood exactly like you and yet it was humans that built this place i believe they figured out how to make a copy of the body not the soul. The soul remains one, shared by two. They created the tethered so they could use them to control the ones above. And they're called the tethered because they're tethered directly to the people above. Um, but it seems like they've got no soul, or at least they've got no soul. So they were obviously born. This is we were born so special, basically. And uh, we get uh, what I think is a good scene of basically like the copying so she's talking about them being brought together that that night um you know the first night that they met each other and she realized she never never stopped thinking about you but there's this sort of scene where she manages to get upstairs and we see the the doppelgangers copying what's going on upstairs but in such a sort of it's like a neanderthal caveman way it's very sort of lacking Um, in coordination and all of it Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so she says, you never stop thinking about it. You could have taken me with you, but she didn't. And let's see. So she's talking about uh, when Addy did this dance uh, above and she was doing the dance down below. And basically everyone said she thought she was different because, um, you know, it showed a sort of level of coordination that the rest of them never have. Um, so at this point, they basically make her the leader. Then they have this fight with each other uh, and there's this remix of I Got Five on it, which is fantastic. The remix of that is brilliant. (laughs) 
and the way that it's, it's really spooky. At some point, Red whispers to Addie something, but we don't hear what she says. And we never hear what she says, which is weird. During this fight, Red's one const- like Red constantly one step ahead. And it's, it's a lot like a dance. It's quite, it's very well done. Um, and while she's doing this, she's sort of slice, slicing her with every dance. And it, again, it's good. But then she stops doing this clever attack and for some reason decides to do some sort of sneaky attack. And then um, she gets stabbed with this, uh, like I say, it was like a fire poker thing. She gets stabbed uh, by Addy. And then she's whistling while she's dying. And then um, Addy sort of does a bit of a chokey, neck breaky, screamy thing. She breaks a neck. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit um, girls gone wild meets absolute savage. <laughs> She finds Jason and she says, they can't hurt you now. They escape the underground, uh, find Gabe and Zora in the ambulance and escape. And at this point, we get the twist, the twist, which, which, to be quite honest, well, I don't want to insult you here, but if you didn't know what the twist was, then you haven't got eyes. (laughs) 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 So basically the twist is that actually Addie is the evil girl and they swap places when they were kids. Uh, the only thing that I thought was interesting about the twist is that the the cuffs that she's been wearing sort of the whole time, at least since the house, are the cuffs that she used to cuff the actual Addie down in the um, wherever it is. Bunker. Thing. <laughs> no, you're right. That is, it does play a nice part in that. It just sort of comes full circle. Um, I mean, the whole thing comes full, full circle, to be fair. Uh, to clarify, uh, my mum is one of the people who did not get the twist. Uh, <laughs> I think she set herself into a mindset of she didn't want to enjoy the film, therefore she refused to enjoy the film. Uh, which ah, meant that right, she missed okay. things. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty predictable. And obviously as time goes on, it's more and more obvious that, yeah, <laughs> y- you're right. Um, but I think like the way they bring it all together with like, I, I don't know if this is, uh, this is coming up, but like the strangulation and the horse voice and yeah, the mm-hmm. way they bring it back yeah. together is lovely. Yeah, so yeah, she has... Um... Yeah, so she 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 chokes the um, like you say she chokes the original Addy, which is hence the reason that she talks in such a croaky voice. And again, J- Jason's pretty sus. <laughs> he looks at her and he's like, "Fuck you, doing?" <laughs> <laughs> he is the only one as well, isn't he? Like of all the, I mean, obviously he's witnessed the most, but for him to have clocked onto it is. Uh, yeah, he's obviously a really clever kid. The different things that he does during the film, he's clever. Yeah, I do, I do like that, that he looks at her and he's like, yeah, I know what's going down here, mate. <laughs> and then we see that all the tethered are linked up for miles and miles. And then we get the, an end, the ending song, which I really enjoyed, the song at the end. And I will probably put a little clip of it because I really quite enjoyed the song at the end. And that is Oz, which was a long film. Right. So, let's... Sorry, I'm getting all my notes together. So let's... Let's have some thoughts about it then. Would you... 
do you want me to give you my thoughts first or yeah go on i'm curious what you uh what you've noted about it right okay so i really really enjoyed the build-up um and i enjoyed the home invasion stuff and i enjoyed well i enjoyed most of it basically until it gets to the bit where they start explaining where all the copies have come from and that doesn't make any sense um at all it's and it feels i'm sure i think that jordan peele was trying to have a, a basically a message a message here and i don't I think to a degree he wasn't bothered about some of the actual explaining some of the plot points as long as the message got across. Um, and it just, it frustrate it frustrated me basically, because when you start picking at it, especially that the government copying them thing, it doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. And then when you start talking about, like I said to you before, the scissors that they somehow all have, like, where do they come from? Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> You're right. Um, There's a lot of like flaws to it. Yeah. I think what you said in terms of you know wanting to get the message across, not really caring how it's done. Yeah, you're spot on. If there'd been a bit more of like a you know a bit more of an element of you know seeing like news clippings of like weird stuff going on in the government, or perhaps like an indication that something was a bit amiss or corrupt or whatever, but it really does just come out of nowhere. Yeah, and I don't I don't know. Like for me, if they just added something like a factory element to it like i said oh you know and then they put us to work because we went you know at least if there was something down there to explain why they got this equipment together that would have been something and i think i would have been satisfied with it but i hate that thing of it left being left open what i will say though is the uniforms that they're all wearing with the red suit with the the one glove which sort of ties back to the thriller t-shirt i really enjoyed that yeah, um, yeah. There's good visuals to sort of yeah. the whole costume element. Yeah, isn't I really enjoyed that part. So I, I must admit, on the first watch, which was a little while ago now, but on a first watch, I came away frustrated because it was so good up until the point where I, I didn't like it. Like I said, the twist, which... I'm almost convinced to say that it's not a twist because like, like I say, and like you agreed with me, if you, you'd have to be pretty blind to be not, not see what's going on there. And I think they give you, they give you that right at the beginning. Um, but I did. Yeah. I sort of enjoy, I did enjoy the hands across America thing that they were doing, which was this idea that they couldn't be ignored, you know, that the, the government would, would have to do something about this. Do you know what I mean? Or if there is a government now, because I'm under the impression that if you're in the, if you're doing the whole hand, hand holding thing, you killed your doppelganger. Um, but I don't know. It's the thing that you don't know the kill count. You don't know the actual chaos it spread. I mean, at, at the sort of at the point, the last point that we saw on the news and all, they, they weren't even aware that they were doppelgangers, were they? They didn't know no. that that's what they were meant to be. So, yeah, there was sort of a lot of, you know, unthreaded sort of reds. It's <laughs> terrible wish for that. <laughs> <Who said? laughs> yeah, it was just, um, 
But I will, I'm just going to go down the road and say that uh, I did enjoy it because the music is fantastic. The visuals are fantastic. The acting is brilliant. I just thought some of the plot points were a little bit frustrating. But apart from that, very good. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. The acting, fantastic. Um, the, yes. the, especially as the doppelgangers. I mean, like it really was like seeing two completely different actors playing two roles. It was, it was absolutely. And I think Lupita Nyong'o is definitely the best of that. They're all brilliant, but she really stands head and shoulders above the others. And I think just mostly for the portrayal of, of, of Red and uh, the sadness in, in, in the eyes, the way that she does that. But like I said, I thought, I thought Umbre, no, like you said, they're all brilliant. I think probably the weakest one was maybe Abraham, but even then, it's still great. I suppose it's hard as well, isn't it? Because he, he doesn't have much of a role other than being, you know, a brute. So I suppose there's only so much you can do with it. Um, so I suppose that probably makes him stand out as the weaker one because really he probably had the smallest role in terms of the doppelgangers, I would say, unless you count the other family, really. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, because I guess Tex is pretty bad, pretty dull. Although yeah. I, do like he's, I do like when he's chasing him down, he's doing like pterodactyl noises, which... <laughs> ah! <laughs> it's funny because like yeah like the other guy the guy obviously he's a doppelganger of, I can't remember his name either but he's such like a free spirit I can actually picture him doing that even not as a doppelganger so yeah mm. but it, that was played yeah. I thought Elizabeth Moss um, I, I like her anyway to be fair but I thought she mm. played um, it really well as the doppelganger. I mean, to be fair, as herself, uh, as the first, like the you know the nicer version, she kind of plays that character and everything. So that wasn't really particularly mind blowing to me. But the doppelganger, when she's like grinning in the mirror and stuff, she like yeah, that's a good acting there. <laughs> I want I want to tell you a free a freaky thing that happened that relates back to this movie actually with Elizabeth Moss while I was. While I was writing out just the details at the beginning, the directors and the actors and stuff like that, I was listening to a podcast, right? And just as I was writing Elizabeth Moss, the guy on the podcast, and I swear this is true, was was talking about, he literally said Elizabeth Moss because he was talking about something else. It was like, that is so freaky. Talk about your coincidences. It's really weird. <laughs> it was so odd. I've never known anything so odd in my entire life. But I was literally writing a name and then he was saying, oh, and it stars Elizabeth Martin. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> she's good, isn't she? She's a bit of an up-and-comer. Um, yeah, I love her in Invisible Man. Oh, is that what she's from? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was great. That's a good movie. I'm going to have to do that on here too. I enjoyed that because like, there's been so many sort of twists on that sort of sort, sort of storyline, but that one was really good. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, we better keep moving on, uh, otherwise I'll be talking to you all night long. Uh, <laughs> so we have to uh, look at the Facebook page and see what people said, and I think for a change, there was a lot of comments on this. So let's go through them. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Jade said, I love this movie and Get Out, but I definitely preferred this one. The acting and directing, the storyline, the twists, love it. Good stuff. Uh, Chris said, thought it was great build-up, but quite disappointing overall. Again, I can see how people would think that. 
Mm. Um, Alistair said the acting was amazing throughout. I know the ending is divisive, but I think it holds its own in today's horror landscape. I think that's actually a really, really good shout that. Um, Because I sort of agree with that. I think the ending is a bit like, what's going on here? But he's right. It does definitely hold its own. It stands out as uh, one of the major horror movies of recent times. Yeah, definitely. Let's see. Well, uh, Brian said, well acted and directed with a great theme, but sadly it was more about theme than plot. It doesn't make much logical sense when you think about it. I also feel the twist fails as it seems like an obvious reveal for the end. Not a terrible movie, but it's not close to Peel's debut with Get Out. Again, very valid point. (laughs) Points we made there, I think. Yeah, yeah, I guess the shade, didn't it? Everyone's on the same wavelength. Yeah. Laura said, I enjoyed it, but there was a few bits which didn't make sense. How did the government exactly make them? Why did they execute the failed experiments? Why did they choose scissors as weapons? How did they get the matching outfit with scissors? <laughs> also, those <laughs> also those kids are far too comfortable killing people. <laughs> they really are. They really, really are. It's so weird how quickly they're just like, oh yeah, let's fight the headers. Yeah, why not? Murder. Uh, <laughs> Top notch acting from Lupita Nyong'o, which is true. And Matthew said, controversial take, but I preferred it to get out. That is controversial. Mm, that is controversial. Ooh, very controversial. <laughs> so, um, yeah, lovely. Right, so um, all we have to do is give it the rating system, which I'm sure you know by now is literally two tiers. It's either creative psychopath or it's shit. And uh, I'm going to have to give this one a creative psychopath because... Despite some of my misgivings, I'm still annoyed about the, oh, my brain just gone dead. (laughs) I'm still annoyed about the coincidences thing because it doesn't make any sense. But apart from that, (laughs) create psychopath, which I'm sure you'd agree. Yeah, definitely. I think I'd love to read, um, you know, get like fan theories and stuff on it and, and read other people's take on what they saw from the coincidences and what they took from, you know, like the scissors, the outfits. I think it'd be really interesting to see obviously different people's sort of, you know, view on it uh, rather than like just reading, obviously, you know, directors will come out and they say like what they meant with certain things. I'd love to see what other people took yeah. from it. I try my best not to do this. Sometimes I will watch the odd YouTube video about things just so I can like, you know, <laughs> get my brain straight thinking about what I'm thinking about because I often can't. You know, my, my brain goes, I think this, but I don't know what to say. <laughs> so I do sometimes do that. Because me and my brain are separate people. You've got to be nowadays. You've got yeah. to keep that shit separate. Did you decide what your favourite horror movie was? You know what, after talking about us so much, even though I know I said that I wasn't enjoying it as much today... I, yeah, it's why I picked it. I, it's my it is my favorite because I just I don't know it 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 just has that sort of interesting, but also keeps you guessing. Which I think a lot of horrors like they they wrap them up so well sometimes that like you don't keep guessing about things. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like us. Yeah, it's my favorite. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you a secret. I knew you were gonna do that. I knew that was gonna happen. <laughs> Is that something a lot of your guests do? No, no. 
but what I do what I do know about me is I often go into something go into an episode saying I didn't like this film and as I talk through it I go oh yeah it was good (laughs) (laughs) I think I think I I watched it under bad circumstances today we're gonna watch it last night and we it's a bit embarrassing, but we ended up watching quite a few episodes of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills instead. <laughs> oh, why not? <laughs> and then having an early night, and then I was like, "Oh, buggering out!" Like, but between me finishing work at five and and us starting at nine, like those four hours for me just go with like walking the dog and the baby and making dinner and and all this. So it just like it just that time goes. It was like literally we sat down and ate dinner, and I was like, "Oh, I've got to do this thing in twenty minutes." Um, so I was like, right, it's not going to be time after work. I'm going to have to watch it during work. So I had to keep pausing it to be like, hello, quality costumes, Courtney Vegan, <laughs> which kind of ruined the sort of atmosphere of the room. I even like shut the curtains and everything uh, to try and like, you know, create a mood. Um, but yeah, and then I had people whinging down the phone at me. So it's not quite the same. <laughs> well, I know, I know how you feel because I mean, I've got I've got two kids and a dog and all that, and I have to, I have to watch them twice and write the notes out. So yeah, it's not easy. Really, isn't easy getting the time. Um, <laughs> but I started this thing, and damn it, I'm going to carry on with it. Uh, right. So that's the filling in the horror sandwich. Um, which what did we decide it was? Chinese chicken. Oh, delightful. Um. <laughs> So we'll get into the final piece of bread and, to, and finish the sandwich with the last two fun questions, which are, what's a scary moment from a non-horror movie that you remember? The, I, I, this might have been used already because it's, I think it's quite a common one, but uh, Coraline, which obviously is a kid's film, um, but the no, button eyes and stuff. No, that, that does surprise me, but the button eyes and stuff like that and like the alternative you know family and all that really creeped me out I was pretty old as well watching Coraline and it still creeped me out so I don't know how kids that were younger than me (laughs) were taking that you know what I agree and I'd really like to do Coraline on 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 the podcast because I think it's a scary movie I watched it as an adult and I was like what the fuck is going on here (laughs) I I totally agree if anything it's it's a horror movie I think yeah like you know it's 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 marketed in such a strange way because I mean I put it on for my niece and nephew and that was the first time I watched it and I was a bit like should I be switching this off like should this be on I don't know (laughs) I wonder if it hits you more when you can think about it more Hmm, I don't know anyway so the last question is if you could make a non-horror movie a horror movie what would you choose uh, I, I would love to see any musical made into a horror. <laughs> I'd love to see uh, Chicago. I don't know if seen that at all, but I'd love to see that made into a horror because obviously there's there's an element of already having like you know sex, drugs, murder, and stuff in that as a musical. And I think putting a really dark twist on that and focusing on you know the murders and, and such in that would make it really interesting. Um, but then equally, you know, you could do it for any musical, like <laughs> make Mamma Mia a horror and make it yeah. about her luring her three potential fathers to the island to sacrifice them or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't that, know. Sounds, that sounds really good. Yeah. There, uh, there is actually a horror musical um, that, I, that I've seen and I'm just trying to remember what it's called. It's set in a, it's set in a summer camp. It's actually really good. That would be one I would like to watch. I don't, that doesn't ring a bell with me, but I would watch it. <laughs> Let me just uh, stage fright. 
it's called. So um, I think I have heard of it actually. I'll get, I, I would will, give it a watch. I'll message you that. It's got mini driver, meatloaf in it. It's really good. Really good. I love a musical too. So yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely watch that, but it would be, it would be fun to see one of the more popular ones turned into a, turned into a horror movie. Right. So that's the final slice of bread in the horror sandwich. Um, unfortunately though, because it is a horror sandwich, I'm going to have to make it bad for you. So, uh, because it's a doppelganger sandwich, we make it a doppelganger sandwich. It's going to be Chinese rabbit. Uh, uh, <laughs> uncooked as well. Uncooked, yeah, uncooked Chinese rabbit. Sorry about that. <laughs> that you have to eat with scissors. That you've that you've, <laughs> that you've somehow got. Um, Chinese chopsticks, I suppose. Give it a good yeah, stab. <laughs> I suppose. Uh, right. So, Joe, uh, you don't have anything you want to plug, do you, or do you? No, I am not a very plugging person. Um, right. we'll, we'll plug this podcast. Listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, listen to this one instead. I know. Um, it's not really, I don't want to listen to many uh, podcasts or anything, but Jade has got me into yours recently. Um, oh, that's good. So I'm, I'm ready. I've followed the Spotify. I'm going to follow the Facebook page that I've, I've just realised that that's what Jade has been talking on. So. <laughs> Well, thanks very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. I um, really enjoyed it. And thank you for letting me come on. Good. Great. Right. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, if you want to, you can follow me on all kinds of social media things now. I'm on Instagram, at creative underscore psychopaths underscore, uh, where I've been doing stories, or at least trying to, because my friend Tia told me that I should. Um, <laughs> Facebook page Creative Psychopaths um, Twitter Creative Psychopaths and if actually if you go on the Facebook page you can join a Discord now um, where nobody's really chatting at the moment but we'll certainly get to it and the last thing is if you want to email a podcast to either be a guest or recommend a film then you can creativepsychopathspod at gmail.com and the last thing to say is bye <laughs> Bye.